that are in my heart to share with you today, but one of them is, uh, um, is certainly, re- certainly gives opportunity for us as a house to join together in, in rejoicing. You know, one of the beautiful things is that, man, this, this place knows how to shout and scream. We know how to rejoice with those who rejoice, don't we? I mean, we rally behind one another in so many ways, and I, I, I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm thankful for the water in this building. I'm thankful because of what it produces, and you'll understand in a moment. But can, can you join with me today one more time as I announce with overwhelming joy that my daughter and son-in-law are expecting Kaylee and Sam... daughter, my granddaughter right now, she is looking around trying to figure out what is happening right now. She is about to be a big sister and she's going to be a great one. Well, I, I can tell you, Sam and Kaylee, you know, for a lot of reasons, we are, we celebrate with you guys and um, thank you for making me a plural grandfather and um, because I love it. I am, I am poppy in, in the house and I, and I just love it. So... Let me just hold on to that for a second. <laughs> what a joy. I, I could not wait to make that announcement this morning. I thought, Lord, have mercy. I, don't even, I didn't want to be around, around anybody that was expecting because I, when, when people are expecting in the house and they come to me and they say, you know what I'm expecting, can you make the announcement in like three weeks? <laughs> like What? I'm gonna, I'll do the very best that I can. Uh, just, just let me avoid you. For if, I, if, you're, if you are pregnant and you come and you tell me a few weeks in advance and then I avoid you, it's because I'm afraid I'm going to slip. Oh, no, here they come. You know. But we rejoice today. We rejoice. Man, I am ready for this morning. Thank you, musicians. You can be seated. Did you come ready to hear this morning? I have this deep sense of what God has been doing, not only with the, with just these previous series that we've been in, um, whether it be the Untangled or the Prayer of Things series that we concluded last week, or even as we move into, I don't know if what I'm preaching today is going to be a series because there's something else in my heart uh, for next week that I've already, you know, he's already showing me things about it. So I don't know where this is going to go beyond today, but I can tell you that my hope and my prayer is that in its fullness today, you are able to receive what Holy Spirit puts in me, has put in me to deliver not only to this house, but keep this in mind. It's a mistake to believe that any time that the preacher is preaching or speaking, my father-in-law calls it speeches. You know, he's, he's from Catholic background, so he says, how was your speech today? And, um, but no matter how uh, it's brought to us through whatever means we understand, it's, it's easy to assume, it would be easy to assume that the speaker who's speaking is speaking that message only to those who are under the sound of his voice. But the truth is, every preacher with a good and honest heart, male or female, whoever they are, old or young, every person who stands to speak and to preach and release what Holy Spirit has put in them must also understand, if they have a good and honest heart, that that word is for them. I don't preach from this pulpit believing even for a second that the words that I'm speaking are directed only at you. But it is as though the sound, the way that sound travels, in the same way that every word that I'm speaking, I can hear it in my own ear, is the same way the anointing of God works. As it it might go out from my voice, but I hear it in my own ear. He wants me to hear it because He wants me too to receive the very same thing that He wants me to deliver to you in the same way he's delivering it to me. Can someone say amen? Amen. So it is with that today that I come to you with with a a word. Um, The other night, uh, or not the other night, but recently, my wife and I, we were getting ready to go to bed, and and, uh, we were in bed, actually, and as we were sitting there, the lights were off, and, and as we're laying there, the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart, in my spirit, and I said, oh, i got to get my phone because i got to speak this 
mess this what I just heard into my phone and I reached over beside me in the dark grabbed my phone and, and said hey Siri and and as soon as I said that I'm, I'm surprised nobody's phones just went off but as soon as I said that I said please take this note boom boom took the note and wrote down not just a name and which is what I have titled this or what Holy Spirit has titled this message today everybody say not just a name so we're going to dive right in by me asking the Father to, to unite our minds and our hearts in one accord. I believe that if, I, I'm certain of this, that if we can be united in one spirit, in one mind, and in one accord, He can do the same thing. He can accomplish the same results in all of us. Do you believe that today? Yes. So Father, I lift my voice over the hearer today, me included. I lift my voice over anyone who hears it now. And I lift it over anyone who hears it at another time. And I pray that as you release your word in me today, as you expound what is in you to us, as you reveal it, I pray that we lay hold of it. We lay hold of it, Father, not only in such a way that it's only hearing, but in such a way that it is grasping and laying hold of. Father, let your words today change our life. Every man and every woman, whether we've walked with you for many years or we're just beginning the journey, I pray that your words that you release in this place will change every man and every woman that the glory of God may be revealed in this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Not just a name. So names have meaning. Do we know that? Do we understand that, that names have meaning? And let me just say this as we dive into this thing. If you've not downloaded the Rock of Central Florida app, especially you that are watching online, really uh, makes it easier for you. Download the app so that you can follow along. If you click on the Take Note tab that is in there on the home page, you can follow along and all of these notes will be present there for your review. Uh, but names have meaning. So whenever you say a name, let me just ask this question. Whenever you say a name, how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? Because it has meaning. Depends on the name. Depends on what the name is. You can say a name and it makes you feel this way. You can say a name and it makes you feel nothing at all. You can say a name and it can make you feel angry. It can make you feel happy. It can make you feel encouraged, peaceful, empowered. It can make you feel whatever. You know, one of my favorite shows when the kids were growing up was The Lion King. And you've heard me refer to this before. I'll refer to it again. But I love the part where the bad, the evil, the brother lion... What's his name? Scar. Scar. Appropriate. And I love where Scar says in there, he says, you know, Mufasa. And he says that name, Mufasa. And he goes, Mufasa. <laughs> Say it again, Mufasa. <laughs> and he quivers because that name to him means something. That name to Mufasa has meaning. It has depth. It, has, it, it creates in him some type of an emotion. So again, a name, there are names that make us feel stronger, excited, encouraged, peaceful, empowered, fearful. Could be anything. It makes us, but names can make us feel a certain way. And, and names have personality and they have purpose. In fact, when spoken, they bring to mind experiences that we've had with that name, whatever that might be. They bring to mind these things, and we, if we hear a name that, that we've known, immediately our mind races to the person that we join with whatever that name is. So have you ever said, upon hearing someone's name, I used to know someone with that name? Have you ever said that? Sure you have. You know why? Because you remember the name, because you remember... An experience. You are attaching an experience or experiences with that name. You are attaching something to that name. When uh, Kim and I, back in 1992, a couple years ago, back in 1992, we were on a, a uh, well, she was pregnant. Let me, say, let me start with this. Kim was pregnant. We were married in, in um, June <laughs> of 1992. It's because I have several dates going on in my head right now. I have a grandbaby on the way. I'm allowed to have mush, okay? <laughs> but Kim was pregnant back in 1992 with, with Kaylee, my daughter who is actually expecting right now. And she was pregnant with her. And 
we, like every couple, we go through names in our head, you know, this name, that name, Kim had some ideas, I had a few ideas, and, and we just were not in agreement on either, and except for Kim, she was really, really certain that Kaylee was the name. Well, there, I had no experience with a Kaylee. I had no history with Kaylee, with that name Kaylee, so Kaylee was, didn't impress me. It didn't have any meaning. It didn't just walk with me, Okay. It had no meaning. It had no, I couldn't tie myself to that name because I wanted to be able to name my children something that when I said that name, it just, it, it had weight. It held something like so many parents do. But that name held something. So we went back and forth and she would say, babe, I just keep going back to Kaylee. And I would just say, babe, I just keep going away from Kaylee. What about this? What about that? And then we go on this ski trip at the end of 1992. We're in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and we're skiing with some friends. And, and, Kim, and I, Kim was not able to ski, but I was. And, and um, I was going down the mountain, one of the mountains in, in Steamboat Springs. And as I was coming down the mountain, I get to the bottom of the mountain, and there's this man that is kneeling down across the slope, maybe as far away as uh, a little past where the back wall is, and, and, and I still see it vividly, but he's, he's standing over there, and he's kneeling down like this, and, and he's calling out, and he's saying, Kaylee, come on, Kaylee, you can do it, Kaylee, you can do it, you can do it, and he's, he's speaking to his daughter that I'm immediately aware of his daughter that is maybe 50 yards up the mountain from him, afraid, uncertain. While Daddy was saying, Kaylee, you can do it, Kaylee was thinking, how do you know? <laughs> Ultimately, the dad was able to convince Kaylee that it was a good choice for her to go down and that dad would be there. So Kaylee, this little bitty girl, I would say she was about three, maybe four, probably in the three-ish, real tiny, and she comes down this little slope and she gets down there and I ski over to the man and I said, your daughter's name is Kaylee? And he said, yes. And I said, my wife is currently pregnant. She wants to name our daughter, our daughter Kaylee. And about that time, I look down at this little girl and she's got her little hat on. She looks up at me. She has no idea who I am and she's just precious. And everything about her said, I'm sweet. I'm innocent, and I will steal your heart. I left those slopes. I thank the man. I left those slopes. I go back to the room where my wife was, and I said, it's Kaylee. <laughs> I met Kaylee. But how did I come to that conclusion? Because I was able to associate something that made that name have meaning to me. That name needed to have meaning. It needed to have weight. It needed value. It wasn't just going to be a name that we chose for none of our kids. We did not choose a name for any of our kids that simply was a name picked. We didn't go down a list in a book and try to decide. Now, if you did that, that's okay, that's, that's, if that's your way. But we did not. We did not go down through a book and say, well, what's common, what's popular today, what's this, what's that? We didn't do that. We let Holy Spirit really show us through relationship. The same way when Joshua and Alex was born. Each of them, each of those names have significant meaning to Kim and to me. Before it ever even meant anything to them, it had meaning to us. So we hear a name today. When you hear a name, each of us in this room, when we hear a name, we're watching, when we hear a name, we immediately begin to define that name. It's pretty. It's unusual. That's a long name. That's an uncommon name. That's a difficult name. Oh, that's an easy name, etc. We immediately begin to identify a name. In fact, we define it based on two things, an experience that we have with that name or an assumption that we have about that name. We define it because when we hear it, it has some kind of something there. As I said about Kaylee, it has something there that takes us back to a moment. Now, if it's a name that we've never heard, even in those circumstances, we still define that name. Names have meaning. And I can tell you this, names have meaning even within a, within a culture or within a race or within a, and it doesn't make one race better or worse than another. It doesn't make one culture better or worse than another. It just means that there's meaning in there. I can tell you as an example, if someone calls me on the phone and they say, hey, uh, I'm the customer service agent that you were waiting for. My name is Rick. He's a white guy. 
If someone calls me on the phone and says my name is Tyrone. He's not a white guy. If someone calls me on the phone and says, my name is Shaviv, I'm left guessing. Then I want to hear, how did you say Shaviv? But we hear a name. And immediately we begin to define what that name is. We immediately begin to define it. We begin to establish instantaneously any history that we might have with that name. Instantaneously. We begin to consider, in fact, even this morning I met this gentleman in the back that's been here a couple of weeks now and I, and I was speaking to him and I said, what's your name? And he told me his name and, and when he told me his name, uh, I said, can you spell that for me? And he spelled that his name for me, and then I was able to process that name. But before he spelled that name, I want to make sure I was saying his name right. Because that's important to me. It's important to say it right. If anyone ever tells you their name and you don't really understand their name, ask them how to spell it so that you can say their name right because that name has meaning. It isn't just some letters that are crammed together. And I can tell you, everybody in this room, no matter who you are, your name wasn't put together with a bunch of letters, even if it was, even if in its beginning, someone said, just give them a name. And they threw that name in there. I can tell you today, you've gave, you have given meaning to that name. One time when I was preaching at a church, my wife and I were at a church and I was ministering, I was doing a revival meeting in this particular church. And as I was uh, ministering in the uh, altar area at the end and I was laying hands on people and I would go from one to the other and... I got down about halfway, and I, there was this kid that was probably, as a boy, it was a man, he was probably 15, 16 years old, and, and I said, what's your name? And he said, boy. And I said, and, and immediately, again, I define, you define it based on your experience with it. And I said, no, I know you're a boy, what's your name? He said, my name is boy, and his father was standing there with him, and he said his name is boy because when he was born, we couldn't think of a name, so we just said boy. So I laid hands on boy, prayed for boy, and boy will never be a man. He will always be a boy. Thank you, five of you that laughed. Some of you are a little slower than others. I get it. It's okay. I get it. What's your name? Let's, let's, let, me, let me balance out the names. Which names get it quicker? But his name was boy. But again... My point being that within a name, there are experiences that we have. Uh, there are things that we associate with certain names, and it matters to us. You know, there was a time in my life when I found out what my name represented in a... I just found out what my name represented from a uh, natural perspective within uh, my family line and, and uh, the way I came to be. And when I found out what happened, I wanted to change that name. And I was beginning to pursue what I would do. In fact, when I began to write my first, that first book that I started writing about 15 years ago, when I, when I say first book, it, it insinuates that there are others. None have been completed. But as I first wrote it, I did not write author Steve Parker. I wrote author Lee Parker, Lee being my middle name, because that was a season in my life when I wanted to disassociate myself with that first name, Stephen. There was a point because the meaning of that name to me did not mean something of blessing. It did not mean something of life. So I wrote on that first thing, Lee Parker. And some of you in this room, you might be in a position today where you feel the same way about your name, the meaning that your name has to you based on the experiences that you're aware of or the way that that name came about holds no value to you. But I want to share with you what Holy Spirit shared with me. And Holy Spirit made it very clear to me, a passage in Isaiah 65 that I've talked about many times in this house since that time. But He made it very clear to me that that name is not allowed to be determined by who gave it to me. But that name, the definition and the weight of that name will be determined and defined by what God says about that name. 
And I let him redefine that name Stephen for me, and it's a name today I'm very proud of. So if I send you an email today, you no longer get an email with a signed name at the bottom of it that says Steve. Every time now, if you've noticed, I'm putting Stephen because I like that whole name. I want my whole name, Stephen, because now it has something to it. So whatever, is, whatever word, whatever group of letters is used to identify who you are or is used to call you out of a crowded room, I want to tell you today that that group of letters is not just a name. It is just a name. If you add nothing to it, it is just a name. If you do not give it respect, it is just a name. If you do not fill it with the glory of the Lord. But there are things that we can do that can take what seems to be just a name and make it a name of meaning. Let's talk about it today. So in history... Names were used, and even not, not in history, but even present today, but throughout history and now, names were used to invoke authority, whether it was Caesar, Nebuchadnezzar, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, or currently today, Dad said. Suddenly, two kids can be in an argument. I'm not doing it. You're doing it. I'm not. No, whatever. It's mine. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. Dad said, it's yours. Because they know what that authority is in that name. So with a name, there is a certain amount of authority, and it's whatever authority we allow the Father to put into that name. It's up to Him. But no matter what name you were given, when that name is redeemed, you don't have to change the name. You just change the way you define it. If we will define our name the way God defines our name, I want to tell you suddenly there is an impartation of authority within that name that will matter. Can somebody say amen? amen? But can a name lose its power or authority? There are so many words, not just names, but there are so many words in the English language. And, is, and keep in mind, I'm going on a journey right here. So I'm going, to keep, just, I'm going to talk in a flow today. I'm not giving you bullet points. I'm talking in a flow. So just follow me in a flow today. But there are words, not just names, around us and among us that when we use them so much, they begin to lose that authority that they were meant to possess. For instance, let's consider the name Jesus. And somebody might say and did say, I heard you say it quietly. I heard you say in your mind, Jesus' name never loses its authority. It depends on how you define that. See, in the heavens, that name will never lose its power nor its authority. But in you, it might. In me, it might. We've all met people who Everything they do, they do, quote-unquote, in Jesus' name. I mean, they end every sentence in Jesus' name. And they do that so much, it, has no longer, it no longer carries authority, and it no longer carries power. It is a recited statement at the conclusion of each sentence, or imposition, or demand, or plea. It is simply something that is added to the end to make us feel better about whatever it is we just said. To make us feel like we have faith. Perhaps to make us feel like we have confidence. Can somebody say amen this morning? So we've all met these people that in the process of time and through our conversations, they will say something and it will be in Jesus' name. I was just talking to somebody the other day that said something to me and they, they were saying something to me as though it were a question. And then they said, in Jesus' name. And I thought, are you asking a question or are you making a declaration? Which one are you doing? And it occurred to me 
that this particular person that I was speaking to, in every conversation, everything is filled, every sentence, every paragraph is filled with numerous references to in Jesus' name. And I realized, or I asked myself, what does this person know about the authority found in that name? Because it, by appearance, seems to have become just a name. By virtue of the fruit that I see, it is as though what in the heavens holds power in them only holds a sense of a law. But if the power can transcend the law, if faith in the power and is able to, if I have faith in the power of the name, to transcend the law and use of the name. In other words, to have faith in the purpose of the name is to understand the power of the name. And if I can lay hold of that, it will transcend, it will overcome, it will supplant the law of the name. So that one will find themselves instead of every time because Jesus does not want his name attached to everything. No more than you do. He wants his name attached to what glorifies his father. But by law, by a sense of the more I say it, the more I use it, the more righteous perhaps I might be, the closer to Him perhaps I might be. I believe that people that move into that way, move into that place, the motivation, the intention in the beginning when they first came to know Christ began with a good and honest heart. But then through overuse or improper use, the name began to lose its power. And it was used flippantly or inappropriately. The reason people can stub their toe or strike their finger with a hammer and then follow that up with, I won't even say it now. They'll say his name, they'll say Jesus' name as though it's a curse word. And they'll say the words. You know why they can do that? They can do that because... There's no more power in the name to them. There's power in the name in the heavens, but the power in the name in them has been lost. It's the same reason why we can watch a television show or even perhaps people under the sound of my voice today can easily throw out and join two words together, GD. They can throw those words together because God no longer has authority. He no longer has power in them. They feel like I'm going to, I'm go, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you down to an earthly level. And I'm going to throw your name out because this and, and I can do that. And I'm going to tell you today, there is a call to you and me this morning to open our eyes and to again recognize it's not just a name. You need to hear me this morning. Holy Ghost, let there be a, an awakening this morning that it's not just a name. But there is power and there is authority and there is healing and there is deliverance and there is redemption and there is hope and there is life and there is restoration. It's not just a name. It's an identity. Romans 14, 11 says, Jesus said this. He said, as I live, says the Lord, Jesus Christ. I put Jesus Christ in there so you know who's saying it. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. 
and every tongue will confess to God. As I live, he said, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess to my God. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. As I live, every knee shall bow to me. That did not come out of the mouth of one without authority. That did not come out of the mouth without one that had within him the ability to change your entire life. Did not come from one who was afraid that he could not fulfill the promises that he spoke to you. As I live, says Jesus Christ, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess to God. Sounds to me like that name isn't just a name. Sounds to me like that name is a doorway. Sounds to me like that name is not to be taken lightly. Not to be used flippantly. Not to be an expression of a stubbed toe or a smashed finger. Or a failed test or whatever it might be. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 through 24 says this, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. He's a stumbling block to Jews and He is a folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called. Whether they are Jews or whether they are Greeks, to those who are called we preach Jesus Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Whether they are born again or outside the family of God today, whether they are Jew or whether they are Greek, whether they are righteous or whether they are unrighteous, whether they are holy or whether they are unholy, this is what we preach. We preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We bring to you today, He says, we bring to you today one with authority. We come to you today under the name, under the banner of one with authority. We do not come to you unequipped. We do not come to you unable. We do not come to you fearful. We do not come to you in doubt. We do not come to you because we're afraid of your weapons. But we come to you under the name of Jesus Christ who possesses within that name an authority that allows me to come to you and bring to you a message of peace and truth and healing. Because there's authority in the one I'm talking about. That name, it's not just a name. So much more is found in him than just knowing his name. Jesus Christ, try to visualize what I'm about to tell you today. Jesus Christ embodies the entirety of the kingdom of God. You need to understand this, and I'm going to tell you why in just a moment, but I want to say it again because I want it to sink in. Jesus Christ embodies, meaning that within him, is the entirety, whatever expanse the kingdom of God might be, it is all found in Him. Whatever the dimensions, whatever the height, whatever the width, whatever the depth, all that the kingdom of God is, is embodied in Christ. So I'm going to ask you this. So if in our living... If in our going to church on Sunday, if in our going to our job on Monday morning, if in our relationships with our husbands and our wives and our children and our co-workers and our neighbors and whoever it might be, family, if in those relationships, 
We do not express or do not understand the authority, the power that is found in the name of Jesus Christ. Is it even possible to express what the kingdom of God is? I can tell you this. I'm certain of this. The toe stubber and the finger smasher that can flippantly use the name of Jesus to express their pain cannot adequately demonstrate the kingdom of God. Because if we cannot understand who Jesus Christ is, neither can we understand the kingdom of God. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God exists, and outside of Him, everything else. Everybody say this with me. Say, outside of Jesus Christ, Christ, everything else else is Babylon Babylon and Antichrist. Antichrist. In in Scripture, Babylon is a word used in, it's it's, uh, synonymous with confusion. So outside of Jesus Christ, everything else is Babylon and the spirit of the Antichrist. How can I dwell in something that I make so small? Are you hearing me this morning? I want to say that if the kingdom of God in all of its glory is embodied in Jesus Christ, would it not be safe to say that when I reference who Jesus Christ is, when I speak of Him, I need to speak of Him not simply as one who from time to time shows up in a room or shows up in my mind or shows up in my heart, but I need to speak of Him as one who is indeed my Savior. And Lord of all. If the kingdom of God is embodied within Him, and everything outside of Him is Babylon, and it is, in fact, the Antichrist, it opposes Him. then it would be safe to say in order for me to enjoy the fullness of what the kingdom of God wants to express, I must properly define and understand and know who Jesus Christ is. Let me go back to what we started with. How we define a name, when we hear that name, how we define it, changes everything about how we relate to it. You know, we've got those names in our mind. We say, I'll never name my, ch- my kid that because I know a kid that's got that same name. And they're the devil. <laughs> Listen, you all know it's true. Somebody brings their child over to your house and its name is, I don't even want to use a name because its name is, ah. and then you're, you got this experience in your mind. And then... Two years later, someone says, hey, I want to come over, and my, my kid too, you know, and it's a different family, and they say, oh, yeah, what's your child's name? I don't, ah, I'm busy that night. Because <laughs> immediately there's this assumption that ah, is just like ah. <laughs> what we need is a redefining of who Christ really is. Because in the earth today, in the world today, the name of Jesus Christ has lost power, not in the heavens, but in too much of the church. If we go through the Gospels today, if I were to begin to go through the Gospels and read every scripture that I could today, which was a lot, I had to choose well. But and I, wanted, and I wanted to use every scripture to define what I'm talking about right now. Keep this in mind. There's something to be said 
about the power of a name when it's understood. Even in the Gospels, it wasn't just the righteous that understood the gravity and the depth of Jesus Christ. The unrighteous did as well. Paul I know. Jesus I know. Who are you? But today, there's not enough of Vivian I know and Jesus I know, Sam I know and Jesus I know, Alex I know and Jesus I know, Kathy I know and Jesus I know. There's not enough of that and there's too much of who are you and whose authority do you come in? Well, I come in Jesus' authority. You can only do that if you understand the authority. You can only come to me in that authority if you understand that authority. Begin, Holy Spirit, to adjust our thinking, to adjust the way we see. Begin to renew our mind this morning. Begin to help us to understand today that Jesus is not just a name. But within that name is authority and responsibility. In that name is a call to repentance and healing. In that name is a call to righteous living. And within that name, Father, is a call for a standard to be raised. And within that name, and within that name is the authority to do all of those things and so much, so much, so much more. So if the kingdom of God embodies is embodied in Jesus Christ. And if I want to possess and live and dwell in the kingdom of God, then I must first understand the name to which the kingdom of God is attached. I must understand that it's not just another good Christian. Wherever the kingdom is, I wrote this in here and it sounds silly, but this is the way Holy Spirit gave it to me and I'm going to give it to you that way. And if it's silly to you, it's the Holy Ghost fault. But wherever the kingdom is, flowers grow. It is pretty, isn't it? That's how he gave it to me. Wherever the kingdom is, flowers grow. And I thought about that when Holy Spirit gave that to me because I'm not a flower guy. But what it let me see was, is it in a very uh, clear visual experience was, I saw this as though it were a large meadow. And it was just filled with the most beautiful, multicolored flowers growing all over that meadow. As far as I could see, it was just beautiful. And, and I knew that that was the kingdom of God. But the only way to access that, there was a doorway. And that doorway was to come through Christ. While I might see through a window through a friend, through a neighbor, through someone else. I might see through a window of someone else who has a relationship with Christ what the kingdom looks like in them. I might see that in them. But I'm never going to smell the flower unless I go through the door. I'm never going to walk in the meadow unless I go through the door. Say this with me. Say, wherever the kingdom is, flowers grow. Let me read to you out of Leviticus chapter 26, beginning with verse 3. It says, If you walk in my statutes, and you observe my commandments, and you do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. Let me back up. Let me read that first part twice. If you walk, if you walk in my statutes, if you understand who I am. Everybody say it that way. Say, if you understand who I am. And you observe my commandments and do them. You don't have to repeat anymore. If you walk in my statutes, if you understand and know who I am, you observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. And the land will yield its increase. And the trees of the field will yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest. And it won't stop. And the grape harvest will last to the time for sowing. 
And you will eat your bread to the full. And you will dwell in your land safely, securely. I will give peace in the land. And you will lie down and some shall make you afraid. And none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land. And the sword will not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies. And they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. And your enemies will fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. There will be such an abundance. Such an abundance. You won't need any old anymore. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and I make you walk erect today. He said, I've broken the yoke. I have broken the yoke. The kingdom of God is found in Jesus Christ. He is not just another name. He is a doorway. He is a doorway. He is a doorway. Somebody lift your voice in this house this morning. You can be seated. If the kingdom of God represents the blessing, then the one who embodies the kingdom represents the key. One more verse I want to read to you out of John 14, 6. Jesus said to Thomas, he said, Thomas, you're a doubtful dude. He said, but I want to put you at peace today. Stop looking for another way. Stop waiting for me to look different. Stop waiting for me to sound different. Stop waiting for me to show up differently. So Thomas, I want to I want to put your doubts to rest this morning. And maybe your name should go in there. John, Rick, Ralph, Steve, whatever name you said a while ago. Tyrone. I want to put your doubts to rest this morning. Here's how I put your doubts to rest. I'm going to inform you. I'm going to make you aware today. I'm not just another guy. I'm not just somebody you happen to meet. I'm not just somebody that somebody else tried to impose upon you. I'm not just that somebody. I'm the guy that people climb trees to see. I'm the guy that people plow through crowds to get a hold of the hem of my garment. I'm the guy people invite to weddings to turn the water into wine. I'm the guy they ask to come to a funeral to raise the dead. Thomas, I'm not just another guy. And I don't have just another name. Thomas, if you can lay hold of who I am and if you can believe in who I am today, I want to tell you, I will change your life and here's why I will change your life because I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And if you want to know my daddy, you need to go through me. I am the way, Thomas. I am the way, Traquan. I am the way, whoever you are. I am the way, doubter. I am the way, doubter today. You want to know my daddy? You're looking at the door. You right now are standing at the door. Here's an amazing thing. If Christ is the door to Yahweh, here is the ultimate purpose and goal that Christ came to the earth in bodily form. He came here to duplicate himself. He came here to breathe into you and me a second breath. 
And if Christ is the door to Yahweh, I want you to consider this. You, you might be the door to Christ. I hope you heard what I just said. If you, if Christ is the way, He is the access to the Father, it might be you that becomes the access to Christ. But neither you nor me can in any way, we have no possibility nor is there any potential for you nor I to be the doorway to Christ if we do not understand who Christ is. If we do not understand the power of who He is. If we do not understand that to say Jesus is not just to say another name. When the kingdom of God is evident in you, you become a testimony of the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not just a name. He is the very essence of God at work in us and among us. He is the very essence of God at work in us and among us. And I cannot simply say, in Jesus' name flippantly, in Jesus' name flippantly. But when I bring that name, I bring that name to the table with intention. I bring it with purpose. I don't throw it around. I don't insert it into jokes. I don't insert it into meaningless stories. But when I bring that name, I bring that name in its authority.